listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Showtime. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and this week the show offers vital insight from forensic specialist, cat owner, and author, Dr. D.P. Lyle, that every pet lover should know. We'll cover the good, the bad, and the thrilling. But first, here comes my rant of the week. How could anyone intentionally hurt a dog or cat, or any animal for that matter? Statistics from PetAbuse.com list nearly 450 cases so far for 2009, with 32 in my home state of Texas. One of my colleagues in North Texas currently fosters a cat that someone tried to skin alive. They've not yet caught the abuser, and the little kitty is doing well. Perhaps the scariest statistic, though, is the age of some of these abusers. It's not just the crazy, mean adults wailing on innocent fur kids. It's children victimizing animals. In the past nine years, nearly 2,000 abusers reported to PetAbuse.com were under the age of 20. 300 were younger than 14 years old. What the holy heck is going on? Now... Experts say abusing animals is a way for psychologically damaged folks to feel powerful over a victim that can't defend itself. That's horrific, of course. But even folks who don't have pets should take notice. According to a 1997 study done by the MSPCA and Northeastern University, animal abusers are five times more likely to commit violent crimes against people. Violent offenders frequently have childhood and adolescent histories of serious and repeated animal cruelty. In fact, the American Psychiatric Association considers animal cruelty one of the diagnostic criteria of conduct disorder. Folks, in the first half of today's show, we're going to cover the animal abuse crime connection. And in the second half, we'll focus on the pet potential in fiction books and on TV. Uh, Hopefully that's uh, a more happy content for us. But my guest today has a lot to say about both of these subjects. Dr. D.P. Lyle practices cardiology in Orange County, California, and is the McCavity Award-winning and Edgar Award-nominated author of the nonfiction books Murder and Mayhem, A Doctor's Answers, Medical and Forensic Questions for Mystery Writers, and forensics for dummies. I gotta hope there aren't any dummies out there practicing forensics, but in any case, plant your furry tails and we'll give you something to really hiss about after these messages from our sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. 
Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume Super Long Lasting Sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. Pawfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. My guest today is the first of what I hope will be many featured fiction authors who happen to also love pets. I'm delighted to introduce thriller author and forensic specialist, Dr. D.P. Lyle. Welcome to the show, Doug. Glad to be here, Amy. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. First, I like to ask guest to tell the listeners a little bit about themselves. What dogs and cats do you have that share your life? Oh, uh, well, I'm a cat person, always have been, grew up All with right. them. And uh, we have two now. We had three up until last Christmas when we lost our Aussie cat to cancer. And our Bengal just got abused being taken out the door by Nan because he's got to go to the doctor today and he was raising holy hell. <laughs> he does not like to be in a cage. As you know, Bengals are very independent creatures. But he has a, a bowel lymphoma and is actually on chemotherapy right now. If you saw him, you wouldn't know it. He's still obnoxious and um, still <laughs> rules the roost. But uh, apparently it's in cats it's a pretty benign thing, but it does require long-term year-after-year chemotherapy. But he eats his pills and uh, behaves himself most of the time. 
And then oh, we okay. have a fem- we have a female Somali that's uh, that's the uh, she's the queen of the house. Okay, what are your kitties' names? Uh, the the female is called the Missy or the Princess, and the Bingle his name's the Bean. The Bean. Okay. Don't ask so- me how he got the name. He just <laughs> he just called the Bean. So Missy, I'm guessing if she's a Somali, she's a pretty active little girl, swinging from the drapes, and probably Bean is a couple of times her size. Uh, no, actually, uh, Bean's leaner and meaner and a little longer, but uh, really? they probably weigh about the same. She's a little rounder and furrier, but uh, <laughs> she's definitely the calmer of the two. But uh, she does instigate the fights and then screams, you know, bloody murder when he attacks her back. But uh, we're used it, to that. Yeah, it sounds like my little seven-pound kitty, Serendipity. She's a Siamese wannabe, and she um, she abuses the 95-pound German Shepherd. It's really funny exactly. to watch. So, you know, and, and talking about our own special fur kids here, it, it just amazes me. I just can't – it's hard for me to imagine anyone who – could want to hurt one of these wonderful animals. And the statistics are really scary. You're in California. I looked it up on this petabuse.com site, and already in 2009, there are 25 animal abuse cases. And that's just the reported cases. A lot of these go unreported. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. For many reasons. I mean, you know, pets are often throwaway creatures, so if something bad happens, you know, people bury them and go on with life. Uh, but a lot of them are, are against uh, pets that are just wandering around, you know, that don't really have an attachment with anybody. And that's particularly true of cats, you know, that <laughs> cats will move around and, and hang out with whoever feeds them. So uh, uh, sometimes, you know, they're they're just a, a cat that visits somebody's house and they're there for a few months and they feed them and play with them and then suddenly they just disappear. And, you know, the supposition is that they just moved on to where there's better food, but maybe not. Right, and in the case of my friend who's fostering this little kitty, I mean, they're, they called the authorities, they called the police, and the police said, no, it's animal control, and animal control was closed. This was over the 4th of July holiday. Right. So I think in a lot of instances, the authorities don't either don't have the manpower or perhaps the inclination to treat this as a serious kind of an issue. I think that's exactly true, you know, the, with their budgets and and interest in, in uh, law enforcement, it doesn't always extend down to animals, and they don't have the time or the manpower or the finances to do all that. Uh, and this does get pushed aside all too often. These people are our ch- these these cats are our children. And when it comes to you know your cat, you know the Second Amendment comes into play. You know? <laughs> if you mess with my cat, I'm going to enforce the Constitution. <laughs> Absolutely. I have a baseball bat here ready and willing. So uh, most appalling to me that there are children out there doing this. I mean, there are some recent cases. There was a um, a child in Florida that was having their way with the pets. I mean, this right. is appalling to me. Are childhood animal abuse cases, are these on the rise or are we just paying more attention to them? Are the, is the media able to cover it more fully? It's hard to know which. Uh, it's probably a little bit of both. We obviously, with today's media and YouTube and you know cell phones and Twitter and all this other stuff, information flies around the world so fast now. And so, a small story in a small town can end up in the New York Times uh, because it's odd or interesting or, or horrific. Uh, this this the Weinman boy in Florida, you know, is is right now the poster child for animal abuse. 
and if he did what he's alleged uh, to have done, and we always have to couch it that way because he has not been convicted, but uh, you know the news reports and the police reports don't look good. Uh, I mean, this is a kid with severe emotional problems, and I don't think anyone would doubt that, or either he or whoever did this. I think the word you used earlier, power, is what it's all about. When you see serial predators on any level, whether if they're uh, a predator on animals, uh, children, women, whether if they're serial uh, animal abusers, uh, serial abusers, serial rapists, or serial killers, they all have certain characteristics in common. And it comes down, uh, for instance, with a serial rapist or a, or a serial sex killer, um, sexually sadistic killers they're called, uh, it's not about sex. It's about power and control. And animals are particularly vulnerable to this power and control because, number one, they're small and helpless and don't stand a chance, and number two, they are, for the most part, very trusting. And so they're easy to entrap, uh, and they're easy to then abuse because they have absolutely no weapons to fight back with that, that are of any any use. It was interesting to me also, I've, I've this uh, website, it's pet-abuse.com, and it, it has a, a lot of good resources there. But one of the pages was describing this, if you break it down to its essentials, the abusing animals, a way for the human to find power, joy, fulfillment through doing this to a creature that can't defend itself. And then they said, you know, put this in human crime, say rape. All you have to do is substitute rape, and it's the same thing. Or if it's child abuse, you just replace animal abuse with child abuse. And it's, as you say, it's a power. It's something that the abuser perhaps doesn't have control in their own life, and this is a way for them to take power in a way. Yes, there's a common thread there. And, and if you strip away all the psychobabble that goes along with serial predators, at the end of the day, it comes down to one word, and that's empathy. And these serial predators seem to have no empathy with the victim. They don't care. They don't worry about the consequences. They only worry about, I want, I take, I have, in the story. And I don't really care what happens to the other person or the other creature. Um, you know, the triad that was, that's been postulated uh, for, in the childhood of serial killers and serial predators is three. It's animal abuse, it's fire starting, and bedwetting. Now that's controversial and many forensic psychiatrists do not believe that that's the case, but let's just say that it's in the background of enough of them that at least if you see something like that, that does not mean you go paint a red letter on somebody's chest, but you, but you, these people should be analyzed. They should see the proper health professional and just to make certain, like this kid in Florida, remember Jeffrey Dahmer abused animals before he ever killed anybody. And Jeffrey Dahmer actually knew he was sick and asked for help and never could get the right help. But he started that way. And the reason is these predators are no different than the cheetah on the Transvaal. He overlooks the gazelle population and he knows which one's vulnerable. He, it may not be the one that we would look at and think is sick and vulnerable and slow and crippled or whatever, but there's something about he senses in this herd of thousands which one is the one he can take down. Well, serial predators do the same thing. They have a gift for finding the weak. And this is the reason when you see read about serial killers, one of the things in their profile is they have high-mileage cars. 
is because they're out trolling and they're oh, out mom. looking. They're out looking for a victim, and they know how to identify the vulnerable. Um, same way with uh, animal abusers. It's it's really frightening. Well, I know that um, I think it's Dr. Randall Lockwood. I looked up some things from him, uh, and he listed thirty three different factors that that might suggest problems uh, that these folks have in common and it is it's so complicated i mean these these factors vary from the number of victims to the number of instances frequency of incidents severity all of those different things and one of the things he mentioned was that having more than 5 of these aggravating factors should be a cause for serious concern so it makes me wonder it begs the question if you have a child that exhibits one to five or less than five is there a possibility of redemption i mean are these things that we need to be watching and not be shy about saying hey you know fella down the street watch your kid you need help now not wait until he's done ten things sure um, and don't underestimate the role of fantasy in all of this and everybody has fantasies uh, of different descriptions, and people don't usually want to talk about their fantasies. You know, they're embarrassed by them. They think it's that odd or whatever. But how many of us really have fantasies about killing and mutilating? Well, there yeah. is a group of people out there that do, and that's what I call the lunatic fringe. And they're out there. They have this mental defect, and yet they're capable of going on with life. Well, only a few of those cross the line to acting on their fantasies, and that's where problems start. Again, with this this Weinman kid or whoever doing one of the you know the blogosphere has been talking about. Well, he was he dissected cats in biology class. Well, I did too, and yeah. so did tens and hundreds of thousands of other students over the years have dissected some kind of animal in biology class. I dissected a human being in medical school for Christ's sake. You know, I mean, <laughs> there's a big difference. When someone approaches it for, from a scientific point of view and saying, you know, i got to learn this, i got to take the test, and I need to know this for the rest of my life, and someone who is sitting there and then they go home at night and fantasize about doing that on their own for some other pleasure. Uh, those people are few and far between, but maybe not as few and far between as we wish they were. But mm-hmm. fortunately, the ones that actually act on it are, is a small number, but it's a scary number. So what can we do? Is there anything we can do to prevent lobby for stricter laws? I mean, there's, it's not even a, animal abuse isn't even a felony in every state. I think there's only like 30, 31, 32 states that actually have laws on the books. It's, nobody's getting punished for this. There's nothing to stop them. Yes, and the law should be stiffer on that. And people need to understand that, you know, animals have rights too. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not a PETA fan. I, I think they split from the program a long time ago, but that's my personal view, um, but ASPCA and people like this who do take care of animals, who do spend their life trying to rescue and trying to help and trying to find homes for and all of this stuff, that those are very important groups, but you get these people out there that are doing this odd, 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 odd stuff, and for some reason the general public says, oh, that's horrible, but they're not willing to make the appropriate punishment. and and the appropriate evaluation and treatment. I think if someone is, is charged and found guilty or whatever of abusing an animal, there should be a required psychiatric evaluation of that person. I mean, what's Amen. the harm in it? What's the harm Amen. in it? If the person, right. they say, oh, this kid's fine. He just, you know, had a bad day. You know, he was mad at his mother and he kicked the dog. Well, that's one thing. But 
if the psychiatrist says, you know, this kid's got a lot of problems, we'll intervene now because he will progress. He will progress to his spouse, to his friends, to strangers, to his own children, to whatever down the road. This type of behavior, if it's not arrested and treated, will get worse. It's just the nature of the beast. Okay, listeners, take a deep cleansing breath. (laughs) We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. D.P. Lyle on perhaps more thrilling topics. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. What do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. On your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Want to know what cats like to eat for breakfast? Mice Krispies, of course. Learn everything there is to know about cats on Catitude with your host, Tom Dock. Each week, we'll spotlight a cool cat breed, give up-to-date advice on cat health, and check out spiffy new cat products. So curl up on the couch every week for a perfectly enjoyable time on Catitude. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. PetLifeRadio.com We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves, so here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. 
We're back and again speaking with Dr. D.P. Lyle. He has worked as a story and technical consultant with many published authors as well as with the writers and producers of several popular television shows including Law & Order, CSI Miami, Diagnosis Murder, Monk, Judging Amy, Cold Case, Peacemakers, House Medium, and 1-800-MISSING. Oh my gosh, you just, you know what I like to watch. (laughs) His published fiction includes the thrillers Devil's Playground and Double Blind. And I understand also, Doug, you have a new thriller series uh, going to be released soon. Tell us about that. We're segueing to the fantasy part of the program. Uh, Does it have any animals in it? Actually, it does. It, it, the new series is, will be called the Dub Walker series, and Dub Walker is a Southern boy who, who is a forensic expert, but basically his expertise is in understanding how evidence fits together and reading it and understanding what it means, and also in criminal behavior, understanding how criminals think and what they do. And he's a guy who has written extensively and lectured extensively on this and has consulted on a lot of cases around around the, the country on, on unusual cases, bringing So it's auto, autobiographical. It. Not really, because I don't do this <laughs> in, in the real world. Dub, Dub does, but uh, okay. he's a guy that almost made it through medical school but dropped out for whatever <laughs> reasons. I did not want him to have a license. I didn't oh. want him to have that restriction. I wanted him to have the knowledge but not be restricted by a license, which does restrict what you can do. So anyway, that's the series. And uh, the first book is called Stress Fracture. And it has it deals with PTSD and drug treatment for that, and it will be out in April. The second in the series, which has already sold the Medallion Press, is called Hot Lights, Cold Steel, and it's about robotic surgery and some nefarious things. And I'm working on the third one now called Run to Ground, which has to do with uh, murder and people changing their identity and trying to disappear and Dub trying to help find them. Now, Dub has two crows as his pets. I had two crows when I grew up as pets. My uh, mom we, had a crow. <laughs> yeah, we used to hunt them all the time in the south. You know, crows were everywhere, and they're very, very, very smart. They oh, yeah. are very organized. They're very militaristic in their uh, in their ability. They can solve problems. They've been known to use tools to get things done. They're just incredible creatures. Uh, they're noisy and messy, though. And I had two for a number of years, and, 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 you know, I raised them in a walk-in cage, and then I finally let them go, but they still hung around for years. Um, and they steal stuff. You know, they would bring watches and pens and pieces of paper and coins. Uh, dubs, too, are named Norton and Cramden. And oh, fun. <laughs> Norton's the clown, and Cramden will eat anything in sight. So I think you know where he got the names. <laughs> Oh, what fun. Now, my mom growing up in Kentucky had a pet crow also that would steal things, even chewing gum, yeah. shiny chewing gum wrappers and everything. So exactly. this will be fun because the show, the show I um, taped yesterday, well, it should be up now when people are listening, was a, a parrot consultant specialist. So we're having a whole series on bird behavior. This is very cool. For years now, I wanted to ask your opinion here. Cozy mysteries have included dogs and cats in the mix, but I'm reading more thrillers these days that feature, like yours, having one character that has a pet. What's what's the attraction? Well, I, I think that 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 fleshes out the character. It makes the character real. You know, you want a character that has a life other than just chasing down bad guys. To me, you know, the greatest American writer alive and maybe ever is James Lee Burke. 
And anybody who has not read Mr. Burke's novels, shame on you. You're not a real reader. Um, and if you want to, start with Purple Cane Road. I'll just throw that plug out. He just won this year the, the Grand Master Award uh, along with uh, Sue Grafton. They had, we had a double Grand Master for MWA this year, and rightly rightly deserved. He's won the Edgar twice, and he's just a brilliant author. Well, his main character, Dave Robicho, is a Louisiana cop down in the swamp Cajun area of Louisiana who gets involved in solving crimes and all this all the time. Well, he has a pet raccoon named Tripod because he's got one leg missing. <laughs> Probably caught in a trap, if I remember correctly. But so Tripod is a part of the story, you know. And uh, so, I mean, even, even that. And Tripod's been around for a long time, a number of years. So, um, yeah, I think more and more people are doing that because it makes the character more approachable and that's the key you got to make the reader like the protagonist and if they do then they'll believe in what they're doing and they'll follow them and i think having a pet is part of that yeah i, th I have a real problem though with some authors who think oh well i've got to have a dog or a cat in here and he makes an appearance in the first chapter and then they're off to far exotic climbs and nobody's home feeding the pet or walking, you know, changing the litter box, right. and then they come back at the end and they're reunited. And so as long as it's believable, I mean, let's <laughs> have Kitty throw up on the shoe every once in a while. Let's do the real thing here. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, in terms of forensic evidence, I want to get back to that. What kinds of clues from pets or animals might be vital to solving a crime, either in the fiction world or in real life? Any famous cases that you can share? Oh, oh yeah. There's a very famous case called Snowball the Cat. And if, if your, your listeners want to Google Snowball the Cat, you'll find this case. But it's a story of, of, of a murder and that a, uh, a cat hair ended up on this jacket, and they found the cat hair, and Snowball was a white cat, and the perpetrator had white cat hair on his jacket and his clothing and they took that and they not only said well physically it matches you know this if you look at the microscope this hair is consistent with the with the fur of this cat but more than that they actually did dna <laughs> on the cat hair uh, from the um from the bulb of one of the hairs that was on the on the cat, they got DNA and they matched it to Snowball's DNA and said not only was it a white cat, it was this white cat. And this guy <laughs> had no reason to have Snowball's fur on his jacket, and he ended up getting convicted because of it. Meow. <laughs> All right. So Google, uh, well, Google Snowball the cat. It's a great case. <laughs> Well, recently we were at the International Thriller Writers Conference, Thriller Fest, right. and you were on a panel there. You were the panel master, and right. it came up about the idea of including a pet as a victim, killing off Fido in the book, and boy, yeah. there were some opinions there. I mean, we oh, have yeah. serial killers featured so prominently in thrillers. Serial killers are known to abuse animals. We've just said that. So is this a good idea, a bad idea, or what? Personally, I will be up front. I hate the idea of killing off Fido in a book. Yeah, I do too. And, and, uh, and I, I won't say never, but I haven't. And I, if I did ever, it wouldn't be rendered on the page. It would be before or after the fact. And Stress Fracture, uh, the killer in Stress Fracture is, is pretty brutal, and he's over-the-top brutal. Uh, way over the top brutal, and he actually kills a family of four, and he actually kills a pregnant woman. 
but I don't show any of that. I show the lead up to it and the aftermath of it, but not what actually happened. I think Disney figured it out a long time ago. Yeah, don't, yeah. don't kill the dog and the cat. <laughs> I mean, Tur- Turner and Hooch. There would have been a series if they hadn't, you know, killed off poor old Hooch there. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jay, one of James Lee Berg's daughters, um, Pamela, I think that's how she pronounces her name. She runs his website and all that, and 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 of course, Alifair Burke is his daughter also, and she she writes. But I, she said she got a note once that somebody said, uh, "Well, why don't you? When are you going to kill off?" Uh, Tripod. Ah. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> <laughs> so there are strange people out there, but you can't kill off tripod. <laughs> well, why? You know, why do you think? I mean, this this came up on the panel. Why do you think? I mean, you can kill off pregnant ladies or children or all that, but oh, the letters you know have an animal that is is killed on stage. Why? Why do you think that is? Well, because they're helpless and they're dependent. Ah. And uh, you know they're 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 creatures that that if we take them into our lives and take them our home, we're responsible for protecting them. It's no different having a child. You know, if you have a child, you you got responsibilities, and that's to provide and protect. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. And if you abuse an animal or you harm an animal that's in your care, there's something wrong with you. And I think the I think- world the world looks at it like. You know, you're an ogre. You go live under a bridge somewhere. Yeah, I think also in a way, it's almost it's almost a cheap shot. I mean, uh, yeah. let's in a fiction, the bad guy, the best you can do is to take out Fluffy. Come on, I mean, give him, you know, make Fluffy a lion, and then we can see what's going on. Right, right. <laughs> but that's not to say that if someone wants to use that in their book to to create their serial killer and make him dastardly. You know, if you got to do that, then do that. But number one, do it well. Number yeah. two, make it believable. And number three, avoid all the graphic stuff because I do not want to see and read about that. You know, I, I, I think one of the questions on there is there anything that you want write about? And I won't write about animal abuse or child abuse because I don't want to live in that world uh, for yeah. the year it takes to write a book. Uh, in other words, I wouldn't have that the main topic. Like I said, my character killed a pregnant woman and a family. Well, okay, they were victims, and they showed how awful this guy is and how unremorseful he was. But again, I did not render that. I did not dwell on that, and that was not the issue. And I wouldn't write a book that the central core of the book was about either one of those issues simply because, like I said, I would not want to live in that world and that character's head. I wouldn't be comfortable in there, and I wouldn't enjoy it. So if I don't enjoy it, what's the point? Well... Yeah, and I mean, that's really why we write anyway. I mean, we've got to enjoy it, or I sure. mean, it's a chore. Now, I know, I know, Doug, that you do consult with authors on their manuscripts so they can get the details right. Do you want to tell us about that? Where can people come? If we have some aspiring authors out there, how can they get in touch with you? Where can well, they, they find you on the Internet? They can go to my website, which is dplylemd.com. It's dplylemd.com. And on there, there's a link on the first page if you want to ask a question, and there's certain criteria. I require information that has to come along with it. I have to know who's asking the question and where they're from, and et cetera. But then you ask a question about uh, about your story. you know. And the more detail you can give me about the scenario, the better I can answer your question. But... You know, I get asked everything from gunshot wounds to poisons to everybody wants a poison that can't be found. 
and it's not <laughs> going to happen. Uh, they may not find it because they may not look for it, but if they look for it, they're going to find it. And and a lot of things like that, and everything from an amnesia patient to a um, bug board accident in the 1880s to uh, poisons used in ancient Egypt to, to how David <laughs> killed Goliath. I mean, I get these, these questions all the time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It could well, Abraham Lincoln survive with modern care? Absolutely. Of course, so could Princess Di if she hadn't have been embarrassed. But that's another issue. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> well, we are out of time, but I would like to thank Dr. D.P. Lyle and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio for the next installment of What Hisses You Off. Email me suggestions or post a note to my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can get transcripts that way, too. Woofs and purrs until next time. Educate yourselves about animal abuse and don't be shy about reporting cases to local authorities. It's simply the right thing to do. For thrills and chills that hurt nobody, turn to fiction because we don't want our pets to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.